0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 53.
1: The Predictive Index was actually started back in the 1950s, and now I can offer the behavioral assessment which you took. Tell us what you found. So, looking at the results.
0: Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to the Local Maximum. I know I'm in transition here. The show is in transition. But hey, I am continuing to bring you one show every week consistently here on the Local Maximum. And this one is really, really different. We're going to find out the results of my personality assessment that my guests so kindly administered. Uh, But before we get into that, I just want to say after the interview, I'll tell you about. My next couple of shows I have lined up, so don't miss that. And I'm also going to tell you my assessment of my assessment. Uh, That means my thoughts on on how I was uh, how I was rated. No, that's not right. Not how I was rated. Like uh, um, basically, it was what my working styles are and what you can expect from me. how, How I can react to different different projects and different events in the workplace. And that's kind of what I got. And so it was hard to react. You'll get my reaction on the spot, but uh, you're also going to get my thoughts on what was accurate after a few days at the end. So here's the reason why this show is different. You're probably used to hearing me being a lot more confident and in control, like in control of the show's content. And sure, I outline this thing. It's my show. It's my guest. But we're discussing here... Some very sensitive topics. We're discussing our working styles, our personal habits, uh, which in some cases may be um, looked down upon by certain groups. So you're going to hear a lot of <laughs> nervous laughter here, just like that. I think I think you're going to hear a lot of that, a lot of repeated words. It's... Uh, Man, and it's right after my big blowout going away party at Foursquare with Chris. So this timing thing, it's really crazy timing. So it's really fascinating to listen to this one. But as a couple of focus questions, because as you know, we might be all over the place. But as a couple of focus questions, you'll be getting intel on the working styles for me and my now twice former co-worker, Mariam, and local Maximum guest. Um, at least those put forth by the assessment. So a couple things to think about as you listen to this. Number one, do you share these traits or do you have different traits? And number two, is this what you expected or not what you expected, given you're listening to past episodes of The Local Maximum? Uh, if you want to hear the one with Miriam, that's episode 45. But if you want to hear one with me, that's basically all of them. Uh, so I'd like to hear your thoughts, Radio at gmail.com or through the website, Um, I think I've gotten to all of your emails this past weekend, and I'll give you some more of my thoughts after the show. By the way, if I didn't get to one of your emails, uh, please email me again because it must have fallen through the cracks. All right. My guest today is Swathi Doshi. She is the founder and managing director of Human Results, an HR consulting firm. Formerly, Swathi spent eight years at Google. Well, there's Google again, episode forty-five, folks, but this is not all about Google. She worked in the people operations division there, and she did a lot of stuff before that. She has many years of experience working to optimize talent. You can read all about it on the show notes page at localmaxradio.com slash fifty-three. All about Swathi on the show notes page, localmaxradio.com fifty-three let's bring her up. Swati. welcome to the show. Welcome to the Local Maximum.
1: Thanks for having me here. And hey, Miriam. Hi. Hello thanks again.
0: For, yeah. Thanks for coming, joining today. Uh, I should do this more often. I should just invite people at Foursquare. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. But, <laughs> but uh, I should invite coworkers to come down and uh, join the show. I don't know. It's, uh, I think it's because I got the extra microphone, so that might help. Uh, it's good that we both made it today because I had my going away drink. So we're recording this today. I know that by the time this goes out, it's going to be next week and it will have started at Luminary Media. Uh, but um, we're recording this today on Friday, February 1st. It's my last day at Foursquare. The Foursquare people took me out for going away drink. Well, I kind of took them out for going away drinks uh, last <laughs> night because I sent out the email and prepared it all, me and Chris Conception, and, uh, who is episode... Shoot, I forgot what his episode is, an NLP. I think it's 23. I think I'm going to go with episode 23. And
2: um, Also, his last day Foursquare. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that's... Uh, Miriam, you're going to have to... Uh, and spilled all the NLP questions, even though you just got back here. You're the only one who's working on Thanks for all Leaving and making yeah. me
2: the NLP expert, despite having zero like, uh, despite having zero academic experience in NLP. But I learned everything that I need to know from y'all, probably.
0: Yeah, 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 and and we won't be too far. Um, but yeah, so what? That, we were out to like one in the morning, so I'm really happy that wow. we both made it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's really freaking cold out there. If you haven't noticed. Okay. So um, let's get back to our guest. We're gonna get into the personality test that uh, you gave me and Miriam. I'm really excited to hear the response. I have no idea what it's gonna say. (laughs) I have no, I I didn't even look into like, you know, the possible things it could say or or what it's for. So I'm I'm just gonna be totally surprised. But first uh, tell me, how did you guys meet each other?
1: Yeah, so Miriam and I actually met because we were both speaking on a panel. Um, about imposter syndrome at Pursuit, which is a nonprofit helping those that are underrepresented get into, uh, learn technology and coding
0: skills. Okay, and so what is imposter syndrome?
1: So imposter syndrome is something that all high achievers, people who have achieved success at one level or another, feel like they're being a fake or a phony, and they're going to be outed and discovered. And what tends to happen is people will either over-prepare or procrastinate. And I definitely procrastinated a bit for today.
0: (laughs) I think it's so hard because when you hear, you know, when you're in a field like machine learning or software in general, you're always hearing about all these frameworks that people are using, um, and people go at a million uh, a million words a minute talking about it, all these different algorithms that people are using. Oh, haven't you heard about, like I was talking about reinforcement learning um, yesterday, and I, I spoke about it a little bit on the program, but I've never done that before. Uh, but uh, um, I think it's very common in software, uh, just because there are so many things to know. And you always have the new kids on the block with their with the whatever the new hot technology is, and you're like, oh, crap, I didn't learn that. All right, anything else about the panel? I want you to tell me a little bit about what you do.
1: Yeah, yeah thanks so much for having me, Max. Um, yeah, you had asked what Human Results is. We're an HR consulting and coaching firm that brings talent optimization to life and organizations to bridge the people strategy to a company's business so, strategy. Uh, l-
0: let's talk about what that means for people, because yeah. we, we we talk a lot on the program about we do machine learning, um, and, and data science topics. I kind of have some interesting guests who have some things to say about those topics. Um, occasionally we get into management and things like that. And, um, it's, I want to tell people, Hey, this is important in like, you know, being successful in your career. If you like these ideas that we're discussing on the program and then, and you want them to actually go out in the world, then you actually have to, um, you have to learn how to interact with people and make it all happen, mm-hmm. and so um, that's. I'm um, hopefully that we're we're going we're gonna to get a little insight on, on to, in, into uh, a strategy and how that could work today, particularly how people relate to each other, because that's yeah. a problem that a lot of companies have. They throw people together, they mix up teams, and it's good to mix up teams, but sometimes there's the assumption that you know, I you, you can have this person work with that person, and they're just going to be fine as working with anyone else, and. The chemistry might not be there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's exactly what these assessments are about, right? It helps an organization and individuals better understand themselves, how they're naturally wired, and then we can look at what an organization's trying to achieve and put together teams based on data and objective data, not just what we think and who we think will get along and be able to achieve an objective.
0: Do you think that when... Well, it, it's tough to say like when you're hiring someone, you kind of want to work with someone who is a, is a right fit for you. And it's, it's sort of that whole culture fit thing is always a very tough, a tough thing to have. Kind of, but you don't want to hire someone or you don't want to work with someone who you know is not going to work with the team or, or work well with you. What do you think is the, uh, what, what's your kind of approach to that? Um, I also think, you know, half of it is how the teams are arranged within the company, like Foursquare, things like that, or often just none of this is considered at all, which is a little bit... Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is considered. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it doesn't seem I think, like...
2: I think they put thought into how the teams are arranged.
0: Yeah. No, but who, who's working with who? It's... Well, we're certainly not taking personality tests. I don't know. I feel like there's always so much stuff to do, and it's like we have to execute on our roadmap that the the, uh, team mix is not thought through. And sometimes it ends up working very well, uh, and sometimes it ends up working not as well.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, the first step in hiring people, right? People are going to, you know, we look at their resume, right? And that's kind of like the briefcase part of it. And people are going to show up, and tell you what you want to hear if they really want the job based on sure. their values and interests. But how do you get behind the true wiring of someone? And that's where assessments like cognitive assessments and behavioral assessments, which is what you took, um, shows us you know the objective data and helps us get rid of that unconscious bias that naturally exists. And so we don't hire people purely because we like them and get along with them.
0: Right. Do you think that if, if- – you hired someone just because you kind of got along with them in an interview. That's sort of that could be uh, misleading. Have you seen that, or do you think it generally lines up with how the you know how the the assessment you know, does I think says studies have
2: shown that if we if we interview people um, without like strict assessments, we're going to like people who remind us of ourselves. Yeah, and so if you're in an organization. Uh, like many software companies where a lot of the people are male, um, you're going to end up having more uh, – you're going to end up hiring more men because men see themselves in other men, for example. And, it, like, there are many ways that biases creep in besides that. Like, you might like someone just because they went to the same university as you, um, or not sure. just because, but it's going to make you like them more.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. And or, or might, you, yeah. you might, might think that, okay, <laughs> this is somebody I can go out and grab a beer with. Yeah. Right. And we... That's
0: how people pick uh, politicians. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Unfortunately. Um, but well, yeah. It's always
0: been true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, there was one other point that I wanted to make here, which was, Ah, I lost my train of thought on that. But uh, sorry, well, go ahead. The other point
1: yeah. that I wanted to make was that you know there's been a lot of data that shows diversity in teams is what leads to innovation. Yeah. And that's why we have to get rid of that unconscious bias and ensure that we're looking at objective measures and we wanna we wanna look at their experience, what they've done in the past. Are they actually qualified But then we don't want to hire someone purely because we could see ourselves getting a drink with them and being friendly in the workplace. We want people that have different backgrounds and might have different wiring compared to us.
0: So uh, diversity is always a, I mean, it's sometimes a controversial buzzword and sometimes (laughs) you have, um, you know, uh, proposals made in the name of diversity that might not be very effective. I feel like there's there's a group of people who are worried that like diversity means that you're going to hire people who are not very good at the job to achieve some, you know, some mix that doesn't really matter as much. But what do you see as the um, as the objective of of a diverse team? Like, what what when 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 a team is working when it's diverse, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, for me, it means diversity is diversity of thinking styles and behavioral styles, right? Because you want that broad spectrum of how people are going to tackle an approach a problem. Unfortunately, so many people today think of diversity in terms of gender, race, um, sometimes like does somebody have a degree or not, and those type of factors, when what's more important is, you know, you want somebody who could be very flexible, but you also want somebody on the team who's going to be like, wait, these are the guidelines, this is the structure that
0: we need to follow, right? Right, right. So in other words, I don't want to work with someone who has exactly the same work style as myself because then we're always going to want to work on the same project. Yeah. And then we're, not, <laughs> we're not going to want to uh, specialize tasks. And, and that's so, how
1: groupthink occurs too, yeah, yeah, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, true, true. Uh, you do need someone to kind of say, hey, maybe there's another way to do this occasionally. Um, okay, so very cool. Um, before I get into the results... I want to hear more about the test we took. Let me grab this pen to take notes. This this is the new four-square pen. Have you seen this, Miriam?
2: I just saw them just now, and they're so beautiful.
0: I am I glad they your... came out today. I'm gonna have to take some of these on my way out today. I think this they just really came nice. in
1: as your going away present. Holy
0: <laughs> crap. And it works so well. These pens in the past, they didn't uh, they didn't actually write, like you had to push them down a few times before they, they write this. Like is a, a very smooth piece of ballpoint pen. I love it. All right. So I want to hear more about this test we took. Okay. Like, So who uh, developed this test? And uh, you got into a little bit about what it's supposed to measure, but but both of those things. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Human Results recently became a certified partner of the Predictive Index. So
0: um, Human Results. That's yeah, that's my company. company? Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and the Predictive Index is a company based out of Boston that was actually started back in the 1950s by a gentleman named Arnold Daniels. Um, And he served in World War II and was really curious about bombardiers and what made a good bombardier who was going to follow orders at the exact time versus somebody who wasn't. Um, And from there, this behavioral assessment was created. And now I can offer several workforce analytic tools, such as the behavioral assessment which you took, a cognitive assessment, and there's also a job assessment to help bring those objective measures into hiring.
0: So this is a behavioral assessment, and was this – is this the one that was created many years ago, or is this kind of an updated one?
1: Yeah, no, it was created many years ago, and the companies invested and fueled millions of dollars into putting technology behind it, um, changing the words, getting third-party assessments, and con- continuing the validation um, and re- reliability studies.
0: So, how how has this been like validated and studied in the past? On you know, in terms of accuracy or helpfulness, in terms of you know, what it can do for an organization or just to help people understand themselves?
1: Yeah. So there's been over 500 studies that have been done where they've partnered with companies and looked at specific roles to ensure that the behavioral assessment measures what it's supposed to measure, which is how somebody's going to show up in the workplace and what behaviors we would expect in a role. For example, we might want a sales executive to be able to go out there and, you know, knock on doors, open doors, and be a little bit flexible when they're, you know, um, sharing how a company's product or service could help clients meet their needs. And engineers, tell me a little bit more about what do you think a typical engineer should show up like in the workplace in terms of behaviors? Well,
0: I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say that there's a specific answer, but uh-huh. I, I was out you may have heard Mary and I were out with uh, all our engineer friends last night at t- to one in the morning, getting what fried chicken was that? What was that place? Yeah,
2: Blue, Blue Ribbon fried, fried Chicken.
0: And mm. I listened to them talk, and I first of all, I'm really happy to work with that group of people because it was like I sometimes I feel like I work at the uh, I'm like in the NBA of engineers, and they all have totally interesting things to say about lots of different topics, sort of the stuff that we do in this uh, in this podcast. But it's totally the opposite. Of what the, um, uh, of what the stereotype is. Sometimes I think sometimes the stereotype of an engineer is someone who is, like, like, not aggressive, but maybe like, um, kind of off-putting and always putting someone down mm. and always giving like these um, very, uh, um, what am I trying to say, Roundabout, uh, jargony responses to like get people off their back. And so, huh. I, I, yeah, I do feel like there's a there's a popular conception uh, as an engineer as kind of a kind of someone who's annoying to work with. And I was like That's listening it. to everyone last night, and I was like, I love these people. They're talking about movies. They're talking about uh, uh, I, <laughs> I I don't know what was going on, but it was just there uh, were <laughs> more interesting stuff than that. But it was just um, oh, these yeah. are just really interesting people who um, who can relate to people. Yeah. Well, that's I, a terrible And a very st- good problem stuff solving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a terrible stereotype. That's definitely not what I've experienced it's, of the engineers I've worked with. Yeah,
0: it, you know what? It's like um who who it's like Jimmy Fallon's guy in Saturday Night Live. I don't know, you saw his like his like IT guy. That's the that's the that's sort of what I think of as um anyway. Yeah. I know I, I um I know some people who might fit that stereotype. But,
1: But like, if we think about an engineer. Grumpy,
0: grumpy, yeah.
1: Let's think about an engineer at, like, a large established company. Like IBM working on a product that's existed forever. Or let's say, you you know, what are some of the behaviors you would expect them to have Mm -hmm. in a workplace compared to an engineer that's going to Luminary, um, which is a
0: growing startup? Yeah. That's an interesting question. I think, I mean, I like I, I like an environment that's more fast-paced. Mm-hmm. I like to think that I'm getting something done. You know, one of the things, one of the most annoying parts of my day is like, waiting for the train and waiting for the elevator. <laughs> I just feel like there's, so, I, I feel like I got to keep going. And it doesn't mean I don't like downtime. It's no, I rest a lot and I got a lot of downtime, but I like, I always feel like, and it's a problem sometimes because I feel like that's that sort of dicks me to my phone because I need to keep having something else to read. Uh, but um, I, I, I guess I want to feel like I'm pushing things out a lot mm-hmm. and um, I don't like a lot of, Bureaucracy, and I don't really know exactly what it's like to work at Google. I spoke to Miriam about that for 90 yeah. minutes, and it's probably not exactly what I'm thinking. Um, and I've been to a lot of these offices. They look like wonderful offices, they look like wonderful places to be uh, in terms of your environment. But I don't know, I could just, like, I walk into Luminary, I could just feel the energy, and so that's why I have a kind of a good feeling about it.
1: Yeah. And somebody at IBM, they're probably not shipping product as often and they probably have to follow a lot more stabilized rules and procedures and policies,
0: right? Sure, sure. Well, there are some people at, uh, someone at Luminary who used to work at IBM. Maybe I'll talk to that person. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It would be interesting (laughs) to
1: see and compare your behavioral assessment to them and, like, what the changes are. But we can dive into
0: your results. Okay, Soon. well, okay, but first I want to talk about, yeah. I want to ask another question about the test. Sure. Um, assessment. So, yeah. <laughs> assessment. I'm sorry. No. I'm, I'm just very, <laughs> I'm calling it a test. I sat down, take a test. I'm a good test taker. It doesn't uh, feel like a test. No, no, no. no. It's not like it. Yet. Okay, so I I just want people to get an idea of what it was like to take this thing, because it was only, what, five minutes? And I was really yeah. surprised at how quick it was, and it was essentially, what, two pages? Yeah. And it Each page had a list of words with a checkbox, and they were words like, are you analytical, patient, uh, engaging, neat. I definitely didn't check that one. Um, (laughs) But it was like, you know, okay, one of them was just, how do you perceive, how do you think others perceive you, and how do you perceive yourself? And I thought that was an interesting way to think about it, because there's kind of like a a diff in there, where there is... Certain things that other people perceive me that way, and I am that way. Versus, um, you know, when when you only have one, I feel like those are the interesting ones where yeah. people don't perceive me a certain way, but I think I'm that way, and then people perceive me as a certain way, but they're they're wrong, um, a type of thing. So so neat. I don't think I, don't, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't click messy either, but I just don't <laughs> think I have either of those traits. Um, uh, I I do like. I do like neat workspaces, but I just never build them myself. So I don't. Have... <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, I didn't put off reasonable because I to me that was like uh, that was an interesting word too because it was like if someone says, "Come on, be reasonable," you're not going to say, you know, "No, I'm not reasonable." But it's like I just wouldn't describe myself that way. Uh-huh. I feel like there's a it like kind of cuts off the sort of uh, Dream big dreams aspect to what certain people want to do, like uh, entrepreneurs yeah. want to do. Yeah. Analytical, I did put. I, I think I am analytical uh, as much as I talk about, like you know Bayes rule and stuff on this program. So that was that, and and that was one where that matched up. I thought people would would put me in that um, in that group anyway, but. Overall, I'm not entirely sure which one I checked, and I'm not entirely sure if I took it again, if I would check the same ones. Yeah, and I so see. I was wondering how you felt about that. Like, do you think that uh, people, is this test constant, like, as you take it? Because I do have, you know, when I take the Myers-Briggs tests, those are sometimes change a little bit um, yeah. as, as I take them yeah. different times.
1: Well, and the difference between a test like this and Myers-Briggs is, Myers-Briggs is, Myers-Briggs is like a forced choice, right? Yeah, You're usually given two different situations and you have to pick yes or no or to what extreme, where this is like pure opt-in. And what the studies have shown is, and we measure three things. We measure yourself or your natural DNA or wiring, your self-concept, how you think you need to adapt or show up based on what people think of you. And the studies have shown is that the self the natural wiring doesn't really change but the self-concept does change and that's all because your context is going to change like how you are here at Foursquare after working here for what seven years yeah compared to being brand new and starting at Luminary it would be interesting like if we had you retake this assessment three months into being at Luminary and seeing how your self-concept changes
0: yeah, yeah. that reminds me of how, so when I was in grad school, I took a course called Leadership in Organizations. Uh-huh. And there was one thing where he, it was like the best self thing where you had to mail, uh, email like 10 people and they had to write good things about you. Uh, <laughs> and you, so people, people who you worked with. Yeah. And it was, a, it was like therapy for me because I had just gotten off two jobs that, you know, did go as well. Mm. And, um, and I remember he said, like, you'll find s- some surprising things, the things that you're good at, and they really don't change. If you go back to them 10 years from now, they, you'll, you'll find that they really haven't changed very much. Um, and so I actually should go back to that, but I, I, from what I remember, that's probably true. I could probably see in the stuff that was written then, you know, the, um, the, 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 a line from that to, to, to what I do now. Um, so, so that is kind of an interesting thing to, to keep in mind. Mary, how, how did you feel taking the test? Do you have any thoughts on it?
2: Um. It was a lot faster than I expected it to be. And um yeah, when I so I've actually seen my results. Yeah. And yeah. The, it was scary accurate given that it was like 5 minutes time like uh-huh. how yeah. closely I'm, it matched who I am. I'm I'm
0: worried it's it's mine's not going to be accurate because I feel like I was really tired when I took it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't well, know. Let's see. All right, let's see. Um let's uh Let's tell us what you found.
1: Okay. So looking at the results, the data would suggest um that you are somebody that's extremely flexible. You are tolerant of uncertainty, which is why this our podcast today wasn't scripted and we didn't really have much of an agenda. We were like, Yeah. Read me the results, it'll be a surprise yeah. and let's see. I, I do
0: have I do have an agenda sometimes, but it's usually just because I some guests, I need to be very methodical in terms of how much in terms of getting all the information out. But one of the things that um, when I talked spoke to uh, Rob Bernstein, who's a podcaster, he's the only actual podcaster I had on the show for a while until I had um, um, Charlie Oliver. But I was I started to like give him notes, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no! Just let the magic happen." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, he's right!" <laughs> yeah,
1: and and what. The- what this data shows is that your behavior of being very flexible and informal probably comes from that need of wanting that freedom of expression, which probably ties into why you do podcasting. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you did this while you were in college too, right? Right.
0: I had a radio show in college and it really was the best part of my week because I can say, th- I always felt like I, w- I was um, cut out of conversations that were going on at like the lunch table and things like that mm. and I, I was never able to get my ideas out and so it, i had that outlet and it was uh, it was amazing particularly at yale when everybody's trying to you know yap away and uh, control the conversation so okay. i uh, <laughs> so uh, i uh, i got that and um yeah it, the the freedom that was allowed by radio was really really uh was really great
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing that the data shows is that you are somebody who's comfortable with risk and you're quick to connect. That's true. Um, And you're extremely sociable, meaning that you like to do work and solve problems with and through other people. Um, And that probably comes from that need of um, wanting social acceptance and having that opportunity to influence and interact with folks.
0: Interesting. I think... Yeah, I think that's probably right. Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, the data also showed um, that you're somebody who's independent. Like, you're moderately assertive. You're self-confident. And those behaviors um, then lead to the needs of being able to control your own activities. I feel like there was a podcast that you were on where you were saying how you actually – an earlier podcast that you did with Camille Fournier, right? Right, right. And you were talking about how you love podcasting because – there's no rules or obligations that you have to follow and you don't have yeah. to worry about getting into trouble whereas with interviewing well, you, have, you have policies <laughs> that you need to follow sure
0: sure i mean I, there are problems there are things i can get that could get me in trouble that i could say but uh, <laughs> probably i don't think there's been anything that i wanted to say where i was like oh that would that would really get me in trouble other than, I, I am worried about something. Oh, someone might see that. They're well, not going to like me anymore. Uh, but uh, um, but I think that was an interesting one. Um, ha, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we can keep going. Cool. I, I do want to ask about why. So I usually don't get along with, uh, well, I've had like maybe 18 engineering managers in my mm. career. And I haven't, I've had a good relationship with some of them. Mm-hmm. But... Most, like I would say the majority, not so much. And so may, I, I don't know if this, uh, you know, sheds light into why. Yeah. And maybe it could help me if I do end up, you know, managing a team at Luminary. I don't know, but that would be the first time for me. So w- what can I um you know what can I glean from this that would help me out?
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot that we can learn from that. Let's finish going through the results yeah, of absolutely. your report. So, other than you being very flexible and sociable and relatively independent, the data also shows that you're pretty driving. You're you're relentless. You're intense, um, and that. Means that you have an op- you like that opportunity to work at a faster pace than the average person, and you respond positively to some pressure, right? You like that challenge, um, yeah. you like mobility, you like having variety. Um, the data also su- suggests that you're pretty casual with rules. Um, you'll follow them, but you're freewheeling, you're uninhibited, um, and again, you're proactive, you're people-oriented. Um, so I'd be curious. The managers where there was maybe some friction, were there differences in how they behave? Like, did they like having a lot of rules, or did, were they more reserved and analytical?
0: Um, probably yes and yes. I'm going to have to think of a specific example. Yeah. I mean, if I could go back to very early in my career, like pre, um, pre-Foursquare, um, it was definitely about uh, – it, it was definitely about um, imposing imposing rules, but also like having a one on one and then giving me a speech. And this happened at Foursquare too. It's not I don't hate them for it, but it's like I I don't like when people get on their soapbox and give long speeches, even though that's what I do every <laughs> week on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but like in a one on one, I but feel like I don't told. know. I, no, I need to have a little bit of a back and forth. Yeah, uh, about about uh, about what's happening Um, and um, yeah I don't need a speech about uh, you know I don't need a long speech about you know how we're gonna do uh, how like how how the meeting structures are gonna take place I don't know it's um, that I feel like there's a lot of cases where I interpret what they're saying to me as um, as condescending and I don't know if they mean it that way, but sometimes it, I I get out of uh, some of those meetings. And I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but I'm, it, it happens a lot where I'm like, oh, that just felt so condescending. I really, um, I'm not happy.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, if somebody is being condescending, I don't think yeah. anybody would be
0: happy with that. Yeah, but it just, I feel like it affects me more. I don't know. Yeah. It, like it, it 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 can't be the case. I don't know. I feel like I am, I... Pick, pick up on that more, and it affects me in a very negative way.
1: Yeah, well, because you are somebody who likes to do work um, with and through other people, and you need that social interaction with someone, and you're somebody who needs to probably speak to think, right? And yeah. some of these other managers were, it sounds like, berating you for that, but there's I, I think I think
0: aloud a lot. And I do this on the show sometimes. Yeah. And I say things sometimes that aren't a fully formed thought. So if someone's going to jump on me and tell me how wrong I am, it's like, I'm getting to it. I'm just trying to, th- I'm just trying to f- like go like find all of the not all the wrong answers but all the like potential answers. answers yeah before yeah. i before i make a decision
1: yeah and that's because you're innovative you want to think through all the different possibilities right um, versus just like narrowing straight on an answer where miriam if we look at your profile yeah
0: you're... let's look at miriam's because yeah. so miriam and i we've done a few projects before yeah. they've gone very well yeah i love working with miriam so why do you think we get along but also like let's let's go into Miriam. Yeah,
1: so Miriam, your results kind of showed us that you are somebody who takes a little bit more time to connect, right? You are somebody who is moderately Patient, stable, and that comes probably from your need of wanting that long-term affiliation. And maybe that's why you came back to Foursquare after Certainly. being at Google. <laughs> Although right? I should say,
0: I have that long-term affiliation with Foursquare as well. Yeah. I mean, Foursquare yeah. is kind of a special place where we, I don't know, we really feel a connection to it. Yeah, it's uh, Regardless of what, even, even though I think we got into it for different reasons than what we're doing here now. So yeah. we kind of feel... Um, I feel back to the old days I do I do like to think of myself as that risk taker but then I look back and I'm like I could have gotten out a little earlier you know? <laughs> but there was always something keeping me here
1: yeah and that's where we have to always look at context yeah. too right yeah um, and Miriam the data also suggests that you are quite collaborative you are accepting of company policies you're accommodating cooperative and and that need that comes from needs of um, reassurance Encouragement. You probably really enjoy having harmony in the workplace. Yes. Um, and you're somebody who's, you know, we talked about how Max is somebody who is very proactive. And I would say you're, the data suggests that you're somebody who's more responsive, meaning that yeah. while Max really enjoys variety in his work, you kind of enjoy that consistency of some repetitive work and you're tolerant of other people and, and cooperation with folks to get an end goal accomplished yeah um, the data also shows that you know again that you're reserved you're very persuasive and analytical um and while you are people oriented you're a little bit more matter of fact um and while you're I mean, outgoing, what does that mean so she you know Miriam will probably tell you what she's really thinking um and isn't going to bounce around and um, especially if there's a big thing that needs to be accomplished. She can be either task or people oriented. Where Max, you're a lot more people oriented. So you might think of, you know, think for a while before you tell somebody that something's wrong or not necessarily going the way you want them to go. Where Miriam is maybe going to be a lot more straightforward. Is that true?
0: What do you think that?
2: Yeah. I think it's true.
0: Yeah. It's true for me. I'm very <laughs> extra cautious on that yes. side.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, the data suggests that Miriam is also somebody who's very precise. Um, you're serious and you're informal. Um, you're, dil- you're diligent and tolerant of uncertainty. And that comes from, you know, the need of wanting to understand rules and regulations and having some of that freedom from rigid structure. You need to have that specific knowledge of a job and but still have that freedom of expression.
0: So, yeah, yeah I, I have a few questions. That brings yeah. up, like, a few questions about this test in general. And I don't Assessment. know if you have any... Yeah. It's going to be very difficult for me okay. to get this yeah, right. that's fine. Uh, this is part of my not following the rules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, unless you have any questions about yours, then we, we can... But I, I do want to ask, like, what do you think is the typical... Well, you're probably going to tell me there is no typical engineer, but yeah. what you, what what do you is there are there any patterns that you find a lot in uh, software engineers, m- machine learning engineers, or like as opposed to someone in sales, say, or someone in HR?
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's take somebody in sales, right? We would yeah. probably expect them to have that really high desire to get work done with and through other people, that measure of extroversion, right? And we're also probably looking for somebody who has that flexibility, um, that drive, not having a high drive to conform to rules and structure, whereas engineers probably have a little bit more of a higher drive to conform to rules and structure because you have to correct each other's codes and document code in certain ways to make sure that there's not bugs.
0: That's the Um, part I'm not good at, is that what That showed up, didn't it?
1: Well, the data shows that you are somebody who has – A fairly high drive when it comes to decision-making, that you're really objective, um, and you like collecting data and facts, where someone like me, I'm a lot more subjective, right? I kind of rely, I look at shades of gray, you kind of look at black and white, I kind of operate on my intuition a little bit more, and you're like... If this doesn't make... You love innovation and idea, but if it's not logical and if it doesn't make sense, you're like, Nix, where I'm like, well, wait, what else is possible? Um, And that's kind of what shows up in salespeople, right? Because they want to understand what's a client's problem, and they want to explore different solutions where um, what I've also found with engineers and working with engineers when it comes to that drive to do work with and through other people it's not as high, it's usually a lot lower, and they might need, if we're brainstorming and talking about ideas, they probably want 24 hours to think through a problem or a solution and then come back the next day. Yeah,
0: It's interesting, so I I have a, my work style on on coding is actually a lot different than what most programmers, I think, would would suggest, which is a lot of people suggest you design it first, then you code. I actually like to jump in, write some code and then watch watch it not work, and then understand, oh, why did that get too complicated? Why did it not work? Okay, now let me redesign it. And so um, I don't know if that, it, it, is that something that, that, that makes sense? Um, but uh, it's, it's actually something I haven't really brought up because it, it, it um, like it work, because it's kind of embarrassingly against the common, like, conception of what you're supposed to do. But uh, <laughs> But that's where but, innovation comes from. Yeah. That
1: goes back to yeah. like that diversity in thinking styles, yeah. right? So if we had a team of engineers that were all like you, we'd be in trouble right. in terms of getting a product shipped. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's probably one of the reasons the two of you have such a great working relationship and style, because while you're wanting to go out there and do different things, Miriam's going to like bring you back and be like, okay,
0: <laughs> what's the like, overall goal, yeah.
2: <laughs> right? We do have to write a design doc eventually. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, you know what I think would be interesting to take this test? Dennis Crowley. Yeah. (laughs) It would be fun to do
1: one of these with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I wonder – well, I feel like he might need that for – because – um, you know, he's starting Foursquare Labs, and I'm hoping to interview the people who are working with him on, mm. those, on those special projects in a few months when they come out with something. But I feel like there's a certain type of person who, um, who, who is good for that kind of work, like Marsbot, like what, I, yeah. like what I did. And so that could be an interesting discussion at some point.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into that later on, too. We can look at some of the business strategies in the the software tool that I have Mm -hmm. and say, okay, how do we look at both of your profiles? We can add mine, too, to get a little bit more diversity and say, would we be the right people for something at Foursquare Labs?
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, or just look at the people who are currently working at Foursquare Labs and, um, you know, give them assessments and see if they match up with what we expect, which I would expect it to be someone who's okay with uncertainty. Uh, I'd expect it to be, so, you know, someone who's less rule oriented. Um, yeah, I, but
2: maybe it would show that they're. That there's something missing from the team too. That is possible. So yes. They're hiring more people yes. and that yeah. could be very useful. Yeah. And
1: that's actually what we recommend when, we, um, when an organization buys the predictive index software is that we recommend that every single person within the organization takes this assessment. So you have the analytics and that objective data on your people. And then this is one of the few assessments that can be put into an EEOC-compliant process so you can utilize it for well, hiring. What is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, EEOC. Yeah. So that's Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Oh, so okay. So that basically so, yeah. means, like, if you're going to administer this assessment, yeah. You and for, say, an engineer, you can't give it to some candidates before they interview, and then other candidates only when they become a finalist candidate. You have to treat all candidates um, in a fair way and an equal way. So let's think about uh, Foursquare Labs and what you were talking about Marsbot, and if you wanted to see that be taken to the next level, right? What are some of these things? The areas that we're going to look at are innovation and agility, teamwork and employee experience, process and precision, results and discipline. These, okay, there
0: are four different quadrants. Yeah,
1: four different quadrants, and in those are some business activities that need yeah. to happen. So, what? Why don't you and Miriam tell me which things? you think, need to take place on a team that's working on taking Mars back to the next level?
0: Well, uh, it would be... Developing new products, to, for sure. Sure, sure. Okay. and Well, implementing change, but it's always, ch- like... Yeah, of course it's a change thing. And and it's got to be agile, and you got to take actions. I don't know. I like all of them, except for... You of know, course you it do. ...grow, <laughs> I, <it> grow rapidly. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, the... Because
2: we know that... To yeah.
0: Grow. Okay. Yeah, you, well... I feel like grow rapidly is the last thing. Like, for this podcast, uh, for example, I'm working on kind of building the audience slowly and building up my library of shows, but I don't need it to grow rapidly right now. Yeah, and so, Foursquare
2: Labs isn't trying to grow right, rapidly. Right, So either. if you had
0: to deprioritize one, I would say deprioritize Let's, that one. Okay, yeah. so we're
1: going to get rid of growing rapidly. Yeah. Okay, what about under teamwork and employee experience?
0: Um increasing team cohesion, foster... I'm, I'm just reading them. I'm not yeah. saying which ones.
2: Definitely empowering employees. Empowering yeah.
0: employees. No, it's got to be the whole, like, hey, you want to do something crazy, you go do it. Okay. situation. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then increasing
2: employee loyalty, too. Um,
0: Is that important for this? I could what see that. Okay. I, I don't know if it would be... Um,
2: I feel like that's part of the, the goal of Foursquare Labs, to give people uh, yeah. an outlet to work on products.
0: Yeah. Um, like
2: okay. Consumer products, not just okay. Okay. Stuff.
0: Okay. Um, what
1: about process and precision then?
0: Um, definitely not enforcing standards and rules because that's about. Uh, yeah, it's like the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely not about increasing accountability or increasing predictability, uh, or I don't think there's any of this. Okay. <laughs> we so have then no let's look. Process. <laughs> and um,
1: what about results and discipline?
0: Um. Uh, delivering results. Yeah, yeah. You've got to make a, you've got to make a good pro- product for that, um, and
2: improving competitive position, kind of. Yeah, I,
0: I would I would put that in because I feel like you need to have, um, you need to actually build like the best product of its type. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, and it has to be someone has to be like, wow, no one else is doing this. Yeah. You can't just build a second rate. Uh, some project that some other company already did. Okay. So great. Yeah.
1: So if we look at these results, right, against the four quadrants, and we map your um, behavioral assessment and Miriam's behavioral assessment, we find that, okay, Max, you're going to be leading and the loudest voice when it comes to innovation and agility. And it's a good thing Miriam's on the team, because she's going to help with the teamwork and employee experience. Hmm. But If it's just the two of you, we're in trouble because just as important as teamwork and employee experiences, so is results and discipline. And neither one of you are very strong when it comes to results and discipline.
0: You seem to hire a product manager.
1: <laughs> and how are you going to find yeah. that best product manager? Because there's there could be a product manager that's like you, yeah. and yeah. this is why assessing everyone at Foursquare would be so important. Because then you can go and look at the internal candidates yeah. that are product managers that have that rules and discipline. Yeah. Right. Well,
0: I, Marissa, who I interviewed on episode um, oh, shoot—I should get this uh, right because I want to. I think it's episode twelve. Yeah. Uh, she was a product manager on Marsbot. Um, And I just wanted to point that out. So localmaxradio.com slash 12. I'm just mentioning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this is basically how human results brings. And and I kind
0: of think she brought some of that in there, too. Yeah. I think if you listen to that episode, you'll see. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. I haven't listened to that one. Now I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, But that's essentially how human results brings talent optimization to life to match that people strategy to business strategy. Because you can have a business strategy, but in the end, it's people that need to execute. And you have to have the right people in the right seat to get those business results. And you can't sit there guessing as to what teams. And you can't just do a mishmash and be like, I think these people will work together well, right? And this is where you can have objective
0: data. I feel like it's uh, for, for many companies, it's just names on a spreadsheet. Names and like title. Like like, <laughs> like, like like this is, uh, you know, Mr. B, and he is a front-end engineer, and this is so, – and you, you get pigeonholed, and there's no um, – yeah, this dimension is just yeah. completely yeah. – Yeah, it's
2: easy to think that because someone has the same role that you can swap them out, and you'll get the same results. Yes,
0: right, right. which
1: doesn't happen, which is yeah. the same exact thing for an eng- – you know, when you look at the front-end, mm-hmm. right, hiring someone. So this – these tools can be utilized for the entire employee life cycle. From hiring someone to like the manager knowing how to inspire the team member or when it's time to like do a reorg or it's time for somebody to leave the organization because they like a lot of flexibility but the company's gotten so big um, and they need somebody who can follow rules and procedures and not necessarily have all that variety and be a little bit more focused um, all this data can really be helpful.
0: Fantastic. Well, I look forward to looking into my results more deeply. Yeah. That's the part we can't do on the air because I yeah, want to take it home and Yeah, it's hard for me it. to show yeah. you
1: the patterns and the graphs. So there are definitely but...
0: some things that, 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 I think are absolutely right in here. And I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're going to get some, some insights yeah. on that. And I'm sure I'll have more questions for you later on. Um, any uh and thank you for sharing that with us today Miriam thank you for allowing your results your to results. be uh, put out into the public people people love hearing that stuff um and um Yeah. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts on these? Yeah. So
1: with your new job at Luminary and you were talking about the differences that you've had with managers. Yeah. The other thing that I can provide you is this strategy guide. So your manager knows how you like to interact in the workplace, how you take action and how you deal with risk and decision making so that they, you know, because managers, the great managers think about managing their people like a game of chess, Hmm. not checkers. Right. Checkers. We move the pieces on one way. All the shapes are uniform. Chess, right? All the different pieces are different shapes. They move in different ways. So the really great managers can customize their management and leadership style based on the individual.
0: Okay. Well, that's uh, that's something that I think managers should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Um, any? Uh, where can people find more about this assessment, and where can they find more about you? Any? links or information you want to give and uh, give us your your final closing thoughts.
1: Yeah. um, Well, they can go to humanresults.com and write to me at info at humanresults.com. And I'm happy to send them a link to this assessment and walk them through it. Happy to do that for your listeners. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Swathi, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So a couple of things that we have coming up next week, we're going to hear the rest of the conversation that I had with Aaron last week, and this is about the coming of the 5G cellular networks and what implications that might have. Also, what is 5G? I I didn't know. This is a little bit outside our area of expertise, but we researched a little bit. We looked into consumer electronics as well and how it fits into everything else we've been talking about here, so that will prove to be a a fascinating uh, discussion. That's next week, and then hopefully— The following week, I have author David Auerbach, who wrote a book called Bitwise. It's written from an engineer's perspective, which I love. And it's about how engineers or how algorithms uh, shape our understanding of the world. And uh, I read the book and a a lot of what he talked about touched on things that we talked about on the show, particularly projects worked on at Foursquare. So I'm going to kind of get to the bottom of some of that. So now that I've had a few days to look at these results and listen to the recording that you just heard, I think that they were mostly right. There were probably a few checkboxes that I would change if I took the assessment again. I mean, after all, I think you're in a really weird head state when you're changing jobs. So I think, uh, a few, uh, I think that could explain why a lot of the—in uh, the few areas where the personality assessment was off, I think that that could be explained by, by that. But the ones that were definitely spot on, though, which were most of them, um, was the need for freedom and flexibility. That's a big one for me and freedom of expression, basically, to put my soul into the products I build, which is, you know, something that comes out on this podcast and something that comes out in, in the products I build the software as well. And I think that fits me correctly. Risk-taking also very true, I can give some specific examples. I mean, wow, I can do a whole show about the risks that I've taken, but I can also think of people who have taken bigger ones. I'm not saying that like I gamble it all, but yeah, it, it tends to be true. And the other one is having trouble with rigidity rules and process, which is really, it, it is really important on an engineering team. So hopefully I have some teammates who can help me with that. And it's why I kind of sort of fall away from, you know, fall into places like Luminary and and, uh, fall away from companies that get too big. Uh, And that's definitely true as well. I think that um, the results may be overstated the case on extroversion uh, because I can go several days working alone. I mean, I just, you know... Just think, putting together these podcast episodes—a lot of editing alone. So I guess, hey, I mean, I'm not entirely alone. I have voices here, but no, I'm pretty much alone. So I guess I'll go back to Swathi and ask about all that uh, because I do tend to, you know, lock myself up for periods at a time and then come out with voila, behold, my creation. <laughs> but there, are, you know, I'm always spinning all of these things in like a positive way because they're my my traits. But there, are, there are negative things uh, associated with them as well. Um, And then the part about gathering data before moving on is kind of interesting because if you listen to this program, you know that it might be true. I am data-driven, but on the other hand, I also tend to be very skeptical of a lot of data analysis. And these are places where I think people read into data to make or justify whatever decision they wanted to make in the first place. That happens a lot. Also, like, you know, a confirmation bias. And in that case, I just say, don't even bother. Just make your decision. You know, whenever someone asks me to do a data analysis, I always ask, well, how would your decision of what you're going to do change based on the results that I come to you with? And like a majority of the time they say, well, I'd probably stay the course. So fine. Stay the course then. You know, don't even bother with me. I'll, You know, and I'll hold myself to that same standard as well. Um, so, you know, if I want to do an analysis or ask someone else to do an analysis, if I've already made up my mind, I made up my mind and uh, and it's not worth it. So I don't know if that's more from personality. I think that's actually a lot more from experience when kind of seeing over and over again how there's a lot of uh, wasted efforts in that field, um, particularly in the data science you know, analyst field, I, I think. Um, you know, where where you really want to be, there's a million things you can look at in the data and you really want to be looking at something that is going to change people's decisions and not something that, I mean, sometimes it's good to have an idea of what's going on, even if it's not going to change your decisions. But, um, for the most part, you really want to be aware of whether it's changing someone's decision or not. So that's kind of a little caveat on that. All right. So that was a lot of fun. Remember to subscribe to Local Maximum. Go to localmaxradiocom slash Uh, Read um, Swathi's full bio and link, and give us a five-star review. I'm also experimenting with this new Patreon-like system called Bitbacker. It's a Bitcoin-based uh, system, and I got it through—I heard about it through one of my show guests, Naomi Brockwell. It's Bitbacker.io, and my page is bitbackerio user Sklar. If you're feeling ambitious give it a try. See if you can send me a message on there. Even if like 10 cents worth of Bitcoin, I get really, really excited that someone actually bothered to do it because it's not that easy. Um, But I think this stuff will be really big one day. Check it out. I'll link it on the show notes page and let me know how it goes. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account at Max Have a great week.
2: Feel the power and she said I don't care what you say you're gonna say-
0: I, I gotta go in a minute because I've gotta do. I've gotta get my annual review. Did you know that I'm getting an annual review <laughs> on my last day? You are on your last
1: day. I,
0: I can. Um, this is an interesting situation. I, my manager asked me if I wanted an annual review. I was like, sure. Are you sure it's not an exit interview? No, I, I've done a ton of those already. Wow. Uh, it's it's an annual review. And I'm like, well, why not? Why, why not actually see what they wrote? Because they already yeah. wrote stuff. I mean, it's mm. useful
2: to get feedback.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it will set you up for
0: success. And, and then you can
1: take these results and be like, oh, that makes sense. That's yeah. what this assessment yeah, yeah, yeah. already showed.
0: <laughs> All right. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Um,